Back. Stronger than ever. Okay, you good? Yeah. Uh, let's do a podcast. Welcome back to another Zengineering podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Brian. I feel like I always say that weird. I'm Adam. Adam. Like, I'm also still Brian, and it always—I I don't like the way it sounds when I listen either. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I can't tell if I'm—I'm I'm trying. I'm doing some kind of like radio voice. This is WNBC. Or With Adam and Brian. If I'm surprised that I'm Adam, I, I just say it the way you say it. I think so. You're ruining it for both of us. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm this is Brian. The second time that as a bit I've wanted to be like, okay, let's just shut it down. <laughs> Thanks for coming, guys. Thanks for I'll try to do better next time. <laughs> Find us wherever you found us. Um, uh, okay, so so uh, we're going for a bigger one this week. A one-topic episode. One single topic. Although I expect this one will go all over the place. So yeah, who knows? We're gonna have to rein it in. Uh, we Tight. we couldn't even we couldn't even come up with like a succinct way to introduce the episode. Oh, that's a bad um, sign. Yeah, uh, we we want to talk about uh, it's like biomechanics, fitness, the physics of the body, uh, all kinds of you know sort of how all that stuff ties together. But I don't know. You want to take a stab at at wrapping it up into a intro package? Uh, yeah, I want to talk about the place where your conscious mind interacts with your like subconscious uh, automatic control of your body. Right. I purposely didn't use the word we looked up earlier because I still am not sure. Auton- autonomic. <laughs> I'm still not sure we're, we're well, using it entirely correctly. Autonomic, I think medically refers to like the brainstem functions. So like your heartbeat, your breathing. But I don't know. I feel like it can be extended extended to sort of what we're talking about which is you know unconscious behavior unconscious not behavior but unconscious control of your body yeah like Um, where kind of where like meditation falls into play and like can you take over your heart rate how does your body (laughs) respond all all the way down to like training for a sport like that's kind of a meditative thing right you're training your body your mind to control something so that later it'll behave that way on its own that kind of stuff well so it's 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 interesting from a lot of a lot of angles because I, like the first I, the first thing i think of well to take a step back as a, a way of introduction mike alluded to this last week and we've never really talked about it as an introduction on the podcast but i have a background in athletics um i was a swimmer for years uh trained for the olympics went to the olympic trials in 2004 so i've spent a lot of time thinking about Things like biomechanics. Uh, Even after sport, I was a trainer for a few years. I studied a lot of biomechanics, a lot of uh, physiology, things like that. Um, So I think about a lot of that stuff. But what's what's the interesting component to me has always been this sort of intangible piece, which I think exists if you were to say that the intangible is, you know, exists, even though it's not tangible <laughs> i guess <laughs> oh i just ate that Interesting. um but you know what i mean if it were to exist it exists at the nexus of this piece of like your body is a as a machine and a and a physical mechanism but it's controlled by this computer that like 
it's so much more powerful than the extent to which we have consciousness with which to actively control it. And so you talk about things like flow states or like when you hear an athlete talk about like being in the zone, right? Like that's a certain, certain like trance, like unconscious, like that is, they have progressed into this space of existing outside of the deliberate idea of I have a ball, I'm going to shoot it, you know, or right. whatever. I'm going to throw it at the hoop and hope that it goes in. It just happens. Um, so I feel like the way to get from what I was just saying about my background in athletics and the mm -hmm. idea of sport that people talk about so much, uh, we end up getting into a thing that, that uh, we've definitely talked about this before, but that I've always admired about your approach to fitness is what you do is very activity based. Yeah. Like you don't so much like going to the gym. I like going to the gym. I do, but just not every day. Right. But you, you don't like that as much as the idea of going for a hike or playing volleyball on the weekend or going for a run, going for a bike ride. Yeah. Uh, I like to think of them all as, as activities I can sprinkle in that happen to also have a huge physical and mental benefit. And then for me, that's, it's, you know, like there's this interesting space where people think of fitness as a chore. And so how do you find a way to present it that lifts that burden of this thing as a chore? Right. Oh, and part maybe of that's what, what our topic should about, be. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to look at the timer. What we're, this is perfect. Eight minutes in. <laughs> no, this is good. We've got plenty of minutes remaining. Uh, How do we make making exercise fun? Uh, I don't know. Whatever. Keep going. Sorry, yeah. I interrupted you. No, that's that's fine. <laughs> that, I was I was mostly done with the point, right? I mean, it's like so. You know, where where is your head when you go and you do the things that other people might categorize, categorize as chore, chore like fitness tasks that have to be done so I don't gain weight or whatever? Right. Because I think it's related to that flow state. I think it's related to that part of a run where you yeah. forget that the reason you're doing it is fitness and you go, Oh, there's things around me that are nice to look at and I'm going past them and being in nature, whatever, right. being in the world. So talk to me about yoga, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's what prompted me to put this topic right? on the, uh, on the, I didn't want to make the topic. Yeah. Yoga. I could have introed that better. Let me say, uh, <laughs> so what prompted you to put this topic on the list? <laughs> Interesting. You should ask. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, so I was, I was, I was reading through topic suggestions. We had some rough ones that were on there and there was one about like, uh, the biomechanics of the body, which I know is, is like a very scientific, uh, approach to the same conversation and one that you have a ton of experience in education. In. Uh, and, and then I was kind of thinking, well, how have I, cause I, I was not really an athlete in high school. I've always enjoyed doing physical activities like running around in the woods and building forts and like body surfing and boogie boarding and stuff. Like I like sports, but I never trained for them. Um, <laughs> until relatively recently I've, I've picked up volleyball as a sport that I, I actually train and take lessons for and stuff. But, um, my fitness has always been around, uh, what are the things that I like doing? How can I align the things I enjoy doing with, with, uh, fitness? Um, and then more recently, the thing that's really struck me is that I've realized that the things I enjoy doing, and this works for fitness and general activities, are the things that allow me to meditate while I'm doing them, which my definition of meditation has become recently uh, when 
you are able to like really focus on something. And when you try to, you try to hit that part of your, you try to hit this mind body balance where your conscious mind is controlling your body in ways that you don't normally do. And the places I, I see this the most, I see it a lot in sports. I see it a lot in uh, activities like yoga, like physical activities where you're trying to control your body to extreme levels. It takes full concentration of your conscious mind. And then I see it in, in activities I do. I see it in uh, mainly in artistic activities, like playing a musical instrument is very challenging. And I find myself getting angry at like my fingers for not going the place they want to be. So instead of me thinking about whatever else was stressing me that day, my full conscious mind is engaged with my full physical effort. And so when you look at those two things, uh, maybe that's where people say like your spirit resides or something, the third part, mind, body, spirit. Um, but that is your being. There's your physical being, there's your, your conscious mind. And, and then there's this sort of abstractness of how they interact and overlap and what are they and where they come from. And that's, that's the, the short of what kind of inspired me to bring this up. And that's yoga was the thing that revealed that to me. Um, partly cause I was aware of it at that. I was like looking for it at that time. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a, it's an activity that is designed to engage you physically and use your mental, uh, your, your mental awareness to do that. And so it's, it's a very, it's designed to make you meditate kind of. Well, and they, you know, like one of the tenets of yoga for anyone who's not familiar is uh, it's a lot about, you know, perform this motion while you breathe in and then you change motion as you breathe out. Like it, it, it incorporates a lot of things that are, involved in meditation mm -hmm. and that that strive to achieve what what they call like like mindfulness which is to not just be doing a thing but to try to f be aware of aspects of that thing that you do every day right just walking that you don't usually think about what are the like really specifically you're walking down the street what are the soles of your feet feel like Try to mm -hmm. think about just what is this, what are the, you know, what do your feet feel like? Um, and like where I tend to go with that in terms of sports is like when I'm running or when I'm biking somewhere or something, like, like on my bike, I, I'm not thinking don't fall over, attain balance, right? Like I just have from years and years of practice a sense of this middle spot, which is where I won't fall over. And I think anyone that can ride a bike is aware of that, right? Like you don't mm -hmm. think go a little more, right, go a little more left, go a little <laughs> more, right. Like you just, once you've got it, like riding a bike, you are aware of that middle spot, that balance where right. you don't fall over and you're in some sort of harmony with gravity where it, it works and you sort of don't fall over. Right. And yeah. I think people are very aware of it in the bike sense when you go ride a bike, but you maybe don't think about it because you probably learned to ride a bike when you were young. Um, well, you also forces you to like stand on one leg <laughs> and, and for a while think a little left, a little right, a little left, a little right. And really mindfully realize like I've achieved balance. Now focus on that spot and don't fall over. <laughs> right. Um, and then it says now that you're balanced, do this next thing that'll make that will Make it force hard again. <laughs> you to not consciously think of the balance anymore. And then all of a sudden your conscious mind has to hand off that balance component to some other system in your body. Um, right. And, and it, this it, is where I think this gets really cool into... because you, because, and, and this is where it gets back to this training idea and maybe where we can start to break down the wall of that idea of like, I have to go work out. Uh, like 
there's this sort of like, I guess, practice uh, performance dichotomy, which I think is what all of those different things that you listed earlier share, which is like, there's a difference between playing a musical instrument and playing a song. Because when you go to play mm -hmm. that song, you're trying to make it sound like the song. And so it's not just the playing of the instrument. It's not just this note, then this note, then this note, then this note. It's like you have to have the feel that goes with that song. And so you practice, you go over to this place, and you consciously, very actively go, this is the note, then this note, then this note, then this note. And you do that over and over and over again so that when it's time to go play the song, it just happens. And then you can focus on, okay, now that, that, now that this just happens, how do I make this just happen at, at, at a level that matches up with, it sounds like the Beatles song I'm trying to play or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And so like they, they, call, they call it your yoga practice because I, I think what you were just saying, like the idea is you achieve that balance and then you consciously try to do a slightly more complicated thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like you said, a, a really interesting thing when we were trying to nail down what the, what the topic was, which was like the idea of training that people think of as a chore, when you tag it to an activity, like, like even if the goal is just balance on one foot, when you tag it to the goal of balance on one foot, and I say, well, if you went to the gym and you did this exercise, you could better prepare yourself for balancing on one foot, then that starts to feel more like practice than it does feel like training. Um, and this idea of like, I got to go to the gym. Like, I, I really like going to the mm -hmm. gym, but it's not because I'm trying to be ripped. It's not because I want to do the things that people think of, you know, at the gym for. <laughs> it's because I want my knees to not hurt when I run because I really like running. And I want to better prepare my body to be able to go out for a run and not have to deal with conscious things. So I can just go to that space of like, the activity is I'm going to run up the mountain. Mm -hmm. And all I'm going to think about is going up the mountain. <laughs> like, <laughs> almost to the top and it kind of sucks. That's the, that's a very interesting, that's the interesting space. Cause that's what applies to day-to-day uh, -day life which is where like the mindfulness behind uh, physical fitness is try where the concept of mindfulness, which maybe everyone's not aware of, like just being conscious of what your body's doing, um, where that overlaps with day-to-day -day life, right? It's been, historically, it's been very important to be mindful in sports, although that's not the word they use. Like, hey, when you shoot a three, a free throw in a, well, free throw is a bad example. When you're like rushing down the court and have to shoot a three-pointer, you need that to be uh, automatic. Your body needs to know what it feels like to shoot a three pointer from that spot on the court and at that angle. And when you're moving at that speed and, and there's a player in front of you, but that same concept can, and, uh, seems very beneficial to apply to like day to day interactions. Like posture has always been an important thing. Even, even when it was like medieval England and like royalty was taught to sit up straight to present right. themselves. There's a physical benefit to that. And just the concept of sit up straight isn't the right way to do it. The concept is uh, work this into some physical activity where you consciously make your mind do this. Um, and then later when you are at a dinner party, you will sit up straight because you're used to making your body do that. Your body has been conditioned to have good posture. 
Well, so that's what's, what's interesting the about the conditioning, and this is and this is some this is where I think this applies to normal people's lives, is that conditioning is not you can't just say to somebody, sit up straight, sit up straight, sit up straight. Part of it is, yeah, you need to make it a habit to sit up straight. But if you don't have the musculature to sit up straight, then you're not gonna be able to do it. And so sometimes the problem I think people have with habits is this idea of like, I want to be a runner. And so they go run two miles, which doesn't seem like a lot or a mile. It doesn't seem like a lot. But if you have never run before, you, you're just not prepared mm-hmm. for that motion at all. Right. In the same way, if you say to somebody, stand up straight, stand up straight, stand up straight. I mean, eventually it'll work because they'll develop the musculature from standing sort in that of. direction. But. But my theory about it, and I've seen this play out over and over again with athletes, with clients, whoever, is instead of telling you to sit, stand up straight, like if if stuff really feels better when you stand up straight, if I strengthen the muscles that will help you stand up straight in a gym or by giving you an activity to do that strengthens them, you'll just stand up straight, which is which is a really interesting component of this, which I think will maybe bring it back into territory where we feel more comfortable. But like, <laughs> you know, tr- think about, let's take it away from the Zen spot to that idea of like brain as computer, right? Yeah. Like your brain, you know, I mean, they talk about the power, the computational power of the brain. We're pretty right. fucking complicated. We probably also don't even know entirely. Shit's really complex in there. It does and amazing so, things. Never mind trying to talk about which percentage of that we're aware of and we use consciously, but that crazy ass giant computer is devoted to controlling your body, right? So, so the idea that you can, through conscious thought, override what that computer is trying to do (laughs) when it has you slouch, to me is just bananas. Like, (laughs) bananas is a good reference. Which is funny that I say bananas because one of the things you do for posture is tell people to imagine holding a banana between your shoulder blades. Yeah. We have a friend that frequently goes, banana, if you're slouching. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, just the thing is, so that idea that you can continue to yell at your child to sit up straight, like it doesn't work if the muscles don't work for sitting up straight. Mm-hmm. And and so no matter how much your brain says, okay, sit up straight, like if you can't support that, you're you're not going to be able to do it. And so part of the idea of, of training for sports for me is about how do you how do you strengthen the body so that once the unconscious trigger goes and once you ask, I gotta hit this volleyball, and what you're telling your brain is the most important thing right now is I don't care how you do it, but get this volleyball that you have the muscles to be able to do that in such a way that you don't then go, oh, but now I can't move anymore because <laughs> your body will do that. Like it right. will, it will get you to that ball. It'll get you away from that mammoth. But afterwards you might be going, oh shit, some shit, oh, oh, that hurt. <laughs> I can't move now. <laughs> Are there other types of mammoths besides woolly mammoths? I don't know. Are there like... Leather call it a woolly mammoth just now? And no, you just said mammoth. Okay. Get you away from that mammoth. <laughs> woolly, woolly mammoth. Did They're probably leopard are. mammoth. Uh leathered, I think. A leathered mammoth. Or a, or a goofy build <laughs> horned mammoth. <laughs> a dragon scale mammoth. Sure. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, um 
But so like an interesting example of this is what's happening when you have a, a, like a muscle spasm um, and even how your brain controls how a muscle flexes. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about the, the massive compute power that your, your brain has and, and it, that it's devoting to the function of your body most of the time, like it's aware of where you are in space and what's going on with every muscle and the angle of that muscle and all this stuff where if you just start to extrapolate to the amount of data it's processing to know where you are That's in space and how to do That's incredibly difficult to do with a machine. Bananas. <laughs> bananas yeah. again. Bananas again. So much. Bananas everywhere. So much computation. And so, like, it has mechanisms for how to sense all that stuff. And this is kind of what you study when you're studying biomechanics stuff. I mean, t- to an extent, what you can do with your body is just bones are levers and muscles pull on them. And if you mm-hmm. understand all the fulcrum points, you can kind of figure out what has a mechanical advantage going what direction, mm-hmm. which means you can start to figure out the path that a muscle will go through if you ask it to do a certain task. And you can go, well, the path of best mechanical advantage to do this thing you just asked for, hit a volleyball, is is achieved by you know this 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 particular motion um but then your brain can also tell how fatigued those muscles are and it can tweak that motion based on which muscle is in the best shape currently to move you through that path and then it can also if it needs to shut down certain muscles if they're injured so that they don't get injured further and so that's why you see like people that run really funny sometimes because that's a compensation pattern where they're asking their body to run and it's going, okay, I can do it, but it's going to be real janky and I'm going to sort of flop sideways and do this <laughs> weird thing with my arm to get my, you know, momentum going forward, but it's achieving the thing you're asking it to do. Yeah. Um, you see that with all kinds of activities. I mean, weird golf swings and basketball players that shoot funny from the hip and I don't know if that's a thing, but yeah, no, totally. <laughs> um, and well, that's the funny thing about how it applies to sports, right? Because people talk about like the perfect golf swing and the idea of trying to figure out the perfect golf swing is partially contingent on your body. But there's a guy, Jim Furick, his name is, who has this big goofy loop in his swing that in terms of what they teach you for how to have a golf swing looks atrocious, but he is a <laughs> professional grade. He's won tournaments. He is a real good golfer. So that's, I always bring him up as proof that it's actually just about repeatability. If you can repeat and cal- and, and calibrate right. that motion, it can look like whatever you want it to look like as long as the thing is achieved for that particular sport. What's interesting though is that idea collides with the fact that that guy who's running funky might be putting stress like on his knee joint in such a way that eventually that knee cartilage is going to wear away and he's not mm-hmm. going to be able to keep running that way. So there is a correct way to run for your body, for your body. Yeah. Um, that's hard to find. And so that's the other sort of piece, I guess, of finding that flow, right? It's like, what's that right way to do the thing and what, like, so back to what I was saying about how muscles fire, because this, this strikes me as super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you were telling like, us about the spasm. Always, when your brain sends a signal to your muscle to uh, contract or to release, it only sends that one signal. And then the signal that keeps it contracted only pings your spinal cord and then goes back to the muscle. 
So it's, it starts a feedback loop of until the signal to stop flexing is sent by your brain, it just runs this feedback loop between the muscle and the spinal cord to keep that, uh, those fibers flexed, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to go too deep into how this all works. because sure. But so a uh, spasm is generally something is hurt and either, t- and so to protect that joint or to protect the muscles around it, it sends a signal that says, fire this guy and don't stop firing it, even if I tell you to stop. And that's part of a compensation pattern. And so what it's doing is mm. it's locking up whatever that, and it's it's locking you into a certain position where it knows you'll be safe from whatever it has sensed mm. is the thing that's going to hurt you. Right. Which is interesting because sometimes you have a spasm and people go, push on it, go get a massage. <laughs> and yeah, sometimes maybe the massage is the right thing if you're okay to go back in that path and what it's responding to is acute trauma where it's just saying, it's locking down because you got hit or something, right? But you'll be okay in 20 minutes. But if what it's responding to is you really, that path is bad for you and you should stop and you go get a massage and you make that muscle release by pushing on it even harder to the point that the brain is like, fine, I'll let go because <laughs> now you're going to hurt this muscle more than you are going to hurt the other thing that I'm trying to protect. Like then, yeah, it will release. But that doesn't mean that now you're back to fit to go perform that motion. And I guess like where that's fascinating to me is it comes back to that same thing of unconsciously your body has great command over what the hell is happening. It has like authoritarian command, really. If you you hold your breath long enough, you eventually, well, I guess that's not a good example because you'll pass out. (laughs) Can you hold your breath till you pass out or will your body not Uh let you do that? I don't know. Maybe that's a myth. I've never That'd be tried. an interesting Mythbusters look up. <laughs> I've never tried either. It seems like a dumb thing to do. <laughs> uh, the, but so I, I guess what's where, where what made me think of that was the idea of if you say okay I got to get away from this mammoth or <laughs> I I've got if you tell the, your body I have to pick up this thing that's what has to happen and you pick it up and then your back goes out or you dive for a volleyball but then you get up and you're like shit this thing is spasming now. Like that's because your body will will let you try to do emotion at least the one time in a in a in a bout to try to survive. Right. Well, it doesn't necessarily know what's going to um, happen either, right? I suppose until you try it. Yeah. Yeah. But then after that, it might go, "Oh, don't do that again." Right. Right. And then so the thing about practice is how do you just like playing. Uh, a musical instrument or standing on one foot and then trying to transition to another pose in yoga is how do you, how do you, how do you do that over and over again in such a way that you develop that pathway so that the brain recognizes it as a thing that you can do. It can be done safely. It can be done unconsciously. Right. And now you can have this space of focusing on if I do this the right way, then there's there's like peace in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, this you know? is this is one of the areas where uh, I come back to with yoga that I feel like it does a very good job of forcing you to consciously become aware of your body's limitations because it's kind of designed in a way that it takes your body to its full range of motion in every way. 
Like every way you can move your arm or your shoulder joint works or your elbow or your legs or your hips, uh, it's designed to take you to maximum range of motion. And this is where you always bring up, and, and very rightfully so, that people get into trouble with that because they force themselves to go somewhere that their body's not ready to go. They force their hips to open too wide or they force their arm to stretch too far and they tug on their shoulder in a way that's damaging for it. Um, but what's cool about yoga, and I, the, the mental model I always use, uh, is that, um, cause I, I use yoga poses to, uh, get ready for sports. When I'm going to do another activity, I'll usually do, uh, five minutes of yoga real quick. Not so much for like a stretching. I don't know what stretching is. I don't like it as a concept. I think it needs to be rebranded and rethought, but I use it as a in a sense to wake up the systems of my body. If I'm going to go play a sport, uh, I'm going to use my body to its full range of motion capacity in every way, right? You're going to be jumping and reaching and diving and running and squatting. And, um, and so all of a sudden, if I do yoga real patiently where I'm consciously aware, all of a sudden I'm pinging all those systems. I'm pinging my central nervous system saying, Hey, my arm's about to go, uh, way back behind me and then way overhead and then way in front of me. Hey, just wake up, be aware, know that's going to happen. And then you are consciously booting up these systems. At least this is my framework. I don't know if this has any bearing in reality, but it's No, it's it's fair because it's it's if you watch like athletes before a race or something, right? Like they're always kind of doing this limbering up thing, which right, I like wouldn't call it stretching because they're not pushing themselves into another space, but they're like, you know, like like Michael Phelps does it before races. He's he puts his hands behind his back and he stretches mm -hmm. like stretch again is a bad term because he's not applying an external force he's just taking them backwards as far as he can right. push them maybe momentum them maybe a little bit of momentum but yeah right. but like yeah so stretching is an interesting topic and it's super touchy for people because they really really mm -hmm. enjoy it usually the people that really enjoy stretching enjoy it because there is uh what i want to say right now is d stretching is destructive and i don't mean that in in the sense of like so, you know, like, like, like a, a bomb is destructive, <laughs> like, <laughs> stretching is terrible, but it's more the sense of it, it causes tissue damage and that tissue damage results in endorphin release, which makes people feel a buzz of like, oh yeah, that's good. Oh, I did something good. Um, hmm. but it's not actually that great for you. And, and the, the, the reason to say that it's not that great for you is, is, is it the context where it comes up in yoga is a perfect example because if the idea of yoga is to be able to support yourself in a position, whatever it is, and to be able to flow into that position and out of that position, if you have to like, uh, if you think about a standard sort of stretch that people do, I don't know if it's a yoga thing so much, but like when you take your arm and you put it across your chest and then mm -hmm. you pull it with the other arm into <laughs> your chest, right? Like you, that other arm is applying an external force. And so the only way that you're able to get into that position is with that external force, which means within your arm, you don't have the musculature to take yourself into that last 10 degrees that you're pulling yourself right. into with your arm. So why put your arm there in the first and place? And to get yourself out of that last 10 degrees. And so if you can eventually build to where you can get your arm to go further because the muscles support it, mm -hmm. then by all means, have that mobility, have that range of motion. But if you have to take a strap or you have to take your hands or you have to get in a strange position in order to force a thing with gravity mm -hmm. or the floor or with something else into that position, you're now, you're just, 
you're just like forcing against connective tissue and against your brain's impulse to not let you go into that position that I was just describing before to get into that position. And so you're definitely breaking things. (laughs) It can be dangerous because if then you go to go do that unconscious activity and you have this extra 10 10 degrees of motion in your shoulder socket because you've pushed against it to get it into that space and you go to spike a ball when the momentum of your arm is going backwards it's going to let it go that extra 10 degrees mm-hmm. unsupported because it it because the, the the connective tissue and everything has been forced into that position and is now mm-hmm. lax enough that it can get there and that's when everything else freaks out because it goes i'm not supported here and locks down all <laughs> the rest of them and that's how right. you end up going to spike a ball and then coming back down and going, oh, fuck, my chest hurts, my back hurts, right. what just happened? Oh, I don't yeah, know. Other, what happened other, is that extra 10 degrees is what happened. Other than like something like a broken leg, uh, something that's like very obviously a, acute failure because of an outside force, I think people, it seems it seems very obvious that a lot most injuries occur at range of motion like that. The range of motion injuries, like Extremes. muscle injuries come right. from that for the most part, right? You're, you reached funny. You, people say like, oh, I tweaked my back. Well, yeah. Cause you like dove Bent to catch funny. a football or, yeah. or you, yep. You went somewhere that your body wasn't prepared to be and then applied a force to it that it wasn't able to support like very. Right. And so the idea of stretching is very to put yourself, if you push yourself into that position, not with the muscles that are built to take you that direction, then you're creating an instability. And so this idea of like, you know, yoga, like I can put my feet behind my head. If you have to take your arms and pull each foot individually to be behind your head, then you can't put your feet behind your head. Like, yes, you can get them there, but you cannot, without external help, put your feet behind your head. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like the difference that I'm I'm gunning for there. And that's a good Um, one because... There are people that can put their feet behind their heads like while they balance up on a hand and it's crazy to see and it's very clear that that is like an impressive thing as opposed to more of like a there's a little bit of a shock and all like oh you did it when people like stuff something somewhere right um, and this <laughs> this is a great i'm actually really surprised <laughs> i haven't been injured a lot more doing yoga and that people in general don't get injured more in yoga because they're the idea its goal really is to push you to those limits and uh, when you're not told, which most people don't talk about, that you shouldn't go beyond that limit because you do things like twists. And twists is a big one. You do a lot of like spinal twists, which mm-hmm. just sounds horrible, right? That sounds like don't ever do spinal twists. But uh, when you recognize that the idea is not to like wedge your elbow against your arm and twist your body too far, it's to go as far as you can with the musculature around your spine and wake that up and be alert and strengthen those muscles so that you can twist with control. Right. And as they get stronger, you'll be able to twist further, which is, which is one of the cool things about the idea of the like limitation of range of motion. Mm -hmm. Um, you can like frequently, and this is the thing we used to do in our like biomechanics stuff. You can ask someone to try to touch their toes and they won't be able to do it, right? And common, and common if or if they are not able to do it, common knowledge tends to say, oh, well, your hamstrings are tight. And it turns out more frequently it's actually an abdominal weakness. And what you are missing 
is the strength in the front of your body to pull you into that position. Mm. And so your your body's locking down your hamstrings to keep you out of an unsupported situation. And if you have somebody do a couple of sit-ups and then try to touch their toes again, they can do it. Hmm. And it's because, like you just said, you woke up the supportive musculature for this mm-hmm. sort of awkward position that you don't ask your body to get into all the time. And now you can get into this position that we otherwise said was because X, Y, and Z is tight. And it's not right. because it's tight. It's because it's unsupported. And so one of the things where yoga is beneficial is it's yoga. I, we keep coming back to yoga, I think, because it is the most most overt component of mindful motion. For sure. Yeah. Um, it's a very, it's a balance. It's a, like a 50-50 balance. And they call it a yoga practice because if you keep, if you ask yourself to go into these positions every day and you keep doing it over and over again, mm-hmm. you build strength and you are more able to get into these positions mm-hmm. and things that would otherwise be awkward, like that spinal twist, when you twist mm-hmm. to, to grab your kid from running in the street and then go, oh, my back. Like, right. If you are mindfully getting into that position and you're knowing what that position is and you're strengthening that position, you're building the ability that when you need to grab that thing, you can get to that position and go, bam, got it, got strong. It. Didn't hurt myself. <laughs> Didn't hurt myself. The, it's, it's, again, it's, it's back to that sort of unconscious piece, right? Like uh, one of the guys that I work with frequently who listens to this podcast, he for a while was, uh, he was talking about this idea of preparation for chaos where the idea of training, the idea of any sort of practice like this is not necessarily to get better at the thing. It's to to be ready for that moment when a thing falls off your desk and you go, oh, and catch it <laughs> and then go, oh, fuck, yeah, that was cool. You know, put it back down, right? <laughs> it's like, it's that chaos. It's to not throw out your back when you got to go, whoa, and grab a thing. But part of that is about strengthening that pathway so that you can get to that thing without going through an unsupported position where your body mm-hmm. goes, oh, no, that was bad. I'll let you do it once, but after that, we're locking down to heal for six months, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I guess gets to another thing that's really interesting, which is the the idea of those compensation mechanisms, which is how like gloriously awesome the body is as a mechanical system. You, it has so many different ways of getting your 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 stuff to go through right. a different pathway if it needs to, that it can shut down six of the muscles in your shoulder and still do most of the things you need a shoulder Mm -hmm. to do while those ones heal. And then once they're healed, they can turn them back on. It it will start using them again. And then you can, and it ends up being this long pattern of maybe you move funny, but you eventually get back to your shoulder works. Mm -hmm. Um, Also that you can hopefully reproduce. (laughs) (laughs) That's all it's there for. It's not so we can play guitar, oh, which although is guitar so, also serves that purpose. Which is really, I mean, it's funny that you bring that up, but it's kind of <laughs> what I was thinking the whole time when you were, when you're talking about like this, when you're talking about, uh, you know, yoga and like you, you want to push into that position, right? Cause the idea is to get into this position. And I think where yoga gets harmful is when there starts to be competition for who can right. get into that position when the ego better. Comes in. Because now your ego wants to impress the people in the room so you can make babies with them. And and now you now you're pushing too far into that spot and you're letting competition take over. And it ends up being this really 
sort of Zen existence that for me, CrossFit is this way because CrossFit is like, take that competition that I just talked about and turn it up to 11. Right. Like, so I like doing the CrossFit workouts and I like the competitive element, but it ends up being almost a Zen practice for me to pull back from the extent to which Mm. that competition takes over because it's not important. It's not important that I beat the people in that room. For sure. If I hurt myself, I, it does, there's no point. Yeah. You ruined it. I ruined it. That's a really neat way to put that. Your Zen practice is avoiding doing the uh, the thing that's, that's trying to happen there. Like, and so even in yoga, I I would have to do the same thing when I when I was doing yoga regularly, which right. would be like, hey, that person can do that. That's pretty impressive. But I'm not there, and part of the practice is to own that you're not there, and that you can mm-hmm. get there incrementally, but you have to do it safely. And the practice ends up being this awareness that's even a level above the rest of it, which is just, yeah, you know, don't don't go to that place where you hurt yourself. Um, so let's talk about the uh, the zone, getting in the zone as an athlete or in any other activity, because you you do a bunch of stuff that I bet you get in the zone for. Um, isn't just working out. I really, I think the zone is that what we were talking about. It's like that unconscious. I think it exists in yoga too. When you find that spot where you're like, I hit the pose, I am balanced. I feel strong. I could stay here all day. It's, it's when that preparation or that practice or whatever you're talking about sort of crosses over into that unconscious space where all of, all of the conscious processing power that you have is devoted not to how do I get here? It's just devoted to get here. So like you were talking about, like the basketball player where all they're thinking about is this ball's got to go in his hole. I don't know how I'm going to make that happen, but here we go. Go for it, body. And it just happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's it, that's what it was like for me with swimming races. All, all of my races were sprints. Longest race was like two minutes. And if I had time, even in the longer two-minute race, to think oh, I screwed that up, then the race was over, especially in the shortest one, the 50, which was hopefully 19 seconds long if you were great. If you had time to think a thought during that race, then you lost. Like I I knew before I finished, if I came off the wall and I thought, hey, that guy's, hey, that guy's over there. Damn it. There's it. (laughs) Race is over. Um, Tom Cruise says it best when he he's asked about what he thinks about when he's up there flying a fifty thousand fifty million dollar Tomcat in a dogfight, and he says, "There's no time. You think no, you're dead. No time to think. <laughs> think. God, he sounds like such a douche in that moment. <laughs> if you but think, he's right. You're dead." <laughs> so what I think I guess is is interesting is like where I feel like this ends up being where we can get to some sort of moral for this stuff is I love moral working out and fitness and health and all of that stuff is like the idea of I should be healthy is a nice idea. You feel good when you're healthy, but it only matters because you feel good, right? Like it has to do with where your brain is. Right. And so if you're, like particularly out of shape or something, or if you want to incorporate fitness into your life, there are so many different options for things to try. Like the one to go try, I think is the one where you can find the, you can find that practice that we were just talking about 
not not that practice like you repeat the thing, but that practice where the meditation exists, you know, mm-hmm. and and where you can find that space where look. And all I'm gunning for here is enjoyably not getting hurt <laughs> while you're doing an activity, right? Right. And and for a lot of people, that's going to mean finding the meditation in realizing that I am not fit muscularly to walk for more than 10 minutes because for 20 years I have done nothing but sit. And so you need to try to find the, the, the meditation and the peace in, I'm going to get up, I'm going to walk for 10 minutes and then I'm going to stop. Even though I feel like I could go for 20 because I'm hyped up and I feel good, right. stop at 10 minutes and own that that is the way to do it. And that's the Zen piece with fitness, which right. is I did the 10 minutes. That's the practice. Now, I'm strong because I'm not going to do the biggest loser break myself bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to sit down. And then tomorrow I'm going to take the fact that I still have energy. I'm going to be excited to do the 10 minutes again. And you keep doing that until the 10 becomes a higher number. And 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 that's how you build it. But it's got to be this prog- progress that's so incremental and slow that it feels like yeah. meditation. That's uh, I find in everything I do in life, the things I tend to enjoy the most are the things that I am able to, or that allow me to just focus on those things. And that's what I consider meditation. So this happens a lot with exercise. I kind of said this stuff at the beginning, but I think that's the place you want to go with fitness and exercise. You want to take it to a place where you engage yourself um, fully so that you can just be present in that moment. You're not stressing. A lot of the benefits I get from physical activity are that they engage me in a way that I stop thinking about everything else in my life that's stressing me out. And that's, that's actually maybe more than the physical fitness, more than like the desire not to have a heart attack early, um, or to not throw out my back. That's probably a lot less important to me actually than the hour I get when I go to yoga that I don't worry about a project that's due for work or I'm not stressed about paying my credit cards. And so you, I think that's something that people should really look for in activities in general, but especially with physical fitness and look for ways yoga does it because there's like a class atmosphere. There's a physical control with your conscious mind part. There's like a breathing thing, which is really part of that. It's part of part of the value of breathing is it distracts you. It's something weird to focus on that takes a lot of mental resources to do. Um, and then I think a lot of people who like when people go running, they listen to stuff, they'll listen to podcasts, or they listen to music they like, and they sing along or they go with a friend and they talk with their friend. And like, I notice these really interesting things in, in sort of uh, engaging physical activities. Like I have some of the best conversations with other people when I go for hikes because there's like just for my body and my mind balance, there's like just enough of this distraction from the physical activity that like conversation flows just right. And you're like kind of participating in something and I get really distracted and I get lost in it. And like, I always come out of hikes and it's been very meditative. I'm not, I'm not distracted by stuff that's normally bothering me. And I think, I think that aspect of physical fitness uh, is what's really emerging as maybe the most valuable part of, of being fit and being active uh, is freeing your mind to, and then you and, enjoy it because who doesn't come out of not being stressed for an hour feeling better? Right. Well, and that's what's, you know, so I, as we get to this as sort of the bit at the end, I was immediately thinking like, uh, I got to go back and cut out all that biomechanical stuff. <laughs> but like, 
But I but I don't just even breathe. think but I don't even think that that's true because like, you know, that's just sort of a breakdown of the path that I took in terms of trying to find the science in like, what is that zone Mm -hmm. and, and, and how do you, how do you get there and whatever. And what I've gotten to in all this, trying to understand the, the nervous, the central nervous system and how it commands the mechanical system of the body, it's realize how much of that is not conscious. And so that flow state, that that zone that they talk about, that that sort of what you said, being present in that moment, is a thing that's achievable even at the lowest level of phys- Absolutely. physical fitness. Just going right? for a walk, you can. There's so much to focus on. You just have to know to find it, um, and not right. be driven by stupid Nike ads, and not be driven by this idea that beat your neighbor is how you find that flow or, you know, like, I mean, CrossFit, it it works for a lot of people, so I don't mean to knock it and I enjoy doing it. But part of CrossFit, I think is about finding that flow by beating your, by, by it being so hard to do that you can't focus on anything, but that you think you're going to die. Right. Yeah. Which is why it also hurts a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah. That's why it hurts a lot of people. And you have to, if you're going to do CrossFit, you have to find a gym that's very good about progressing you into being able to do right. the crazy shit that that you see on TV. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean I think that's really you know, this engineering in the middle of the whole thing, which we'll is have just a great book you know, of engineering if you're, just, if you're just standing coffee table at your desk instead of sitting, try to find that place where you can focus on I'm on one leg and and I'm here and what does it take to stay on one leg and think about only that for three minutes or whatever. And that's, you know, that's, that's why yoga is a giant phenomenon of generally positive energy. I feel like. (laughs) Yes. Positive energy. (laughs) (laughs) I like when you say things like that. Uh, I feel like that's a good place to, yeah, I feel like you're always surprised when I say positive energy. I think maybe because <laughs> I'm generally sort of cynical, but I don't know. Yeah, a little bit. We both are. Uh, I think we both surprise each other. But I strive. I strive for positive energy. Yeah, I feel it. We're on the we're in the same <laughs> we're in the same boat, buddy. Um. <laughs> so yeah, I you know that feels like a good wrap up, right? Yeah, I think that in, was that in was my head. Good. I feel like we were all over the place, but, but we definitely were. You know. We definitely were, but this is a big, this is a big, we've avoided a topic like this on purpose for a while. And so it felt like one that I was pushing us to do because we just did our guest episode and we're in double digits now. And so we Dig have it. to start going after some things that aren't just Dig like, it. let's talk about an iPhone, let's which is like a very stuff we talk about all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, to really get into the this engineering goal that we, that I think we're striving for, we have to go outside of things that are absolute, like an well, iPhone I hope this is, like, works this way, you know? So I hope we're, this is where the, the you know where the listeners can jump on board and, you know, questions that came out of our diversions, comments, you know, yeah. whatever. Topic uh, ideas. Let us know. Really, really focused topic ideas would be helpful because clearly we're This is an example broad. of a topic where <laughs> we were like, we talk about this all the time. We should do a podcast on it. But the reason we talk about it all the time is because I, this could go on for 12 hours. Right. Like there's, I, uh, it's so complicated and it's so fascinating and it's so it's so important weird and so important and so and I and I wish people could be healthier and I don't know how to help them <laughs> 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 although although I generally claim to do it for a living you do you uh, help people all the time 
and you have for a long time. It's been a driver in your professional life your whole life. But strong. Anyway, thanks for sticking around for our flailing attempts to help you. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget to meditate tonight. <laughs> don't forget to meditate tonight. I, uh, I, I should plug there's There's an app called headspace. You should try it out. Um, a lot of those dudes that spend all their time like thinking about productivity and blah, 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 the Tim Ferriss types mm-hmm. of the world have in their top three things you should do as meditate. Mm, and for sure. a great, great way to get an introduction to that is, is, uh, an app like headspace. Um, it's a really solid one for meditation. I use it every day. Cool. Um, and it's interesting because it kind of kicks back to the same thing you were talking about. Like a, one of the main tenets of, of meditation is to focus on your breathing and, and focusing on your breathing is like, it's almost like what I was saying with CrossFit, like the practice ends up being pulling back from something that's so automatic breathing to actively think about your breathing because it's so automatic mm-hmm. is actually really hard. Super it's really hard. hard to stay focused on your breathing. And so like people say when they practice meditation, I guess this is the only other thing I want to say, cause this feels like it's actually helpful. <laughs> The idea of when they say they practice meditation, it's not they do it repetitively. The practice of meditation is the part where you're trying to focus on your breathing and your mind wanders and you catch it and you bring it back. Every time you catch it and you bring it back, you just practiced. Yeah. Because the point is to try to be able to bring it back freely to this other point of focus anytime that you want. Practice is not doing it every day. Practice is not being able to do it better than the other guy. The practice is you should you should feel satisfaction every time you catch that your mind wandered yep. and you bring it back because that's the practice. That's what you're practicing. That's just, you hitting the right note. That's you getting the ball in the in the goal. It's control of your own being. It's catching yourself. We just did this in a hit list topic the other day, earlier today, whatever, <laughs> where you have an emotional reaction to something and say something that you shouldn't have said. It's that. It's catching, it's catching everything. It's, it's just being aware of your being. And it's really important. It's really important physically. It's really important mentally. And the thing that's been the most interesting about yoga is that because it's this, this really good balance seemingly of, of mental and physical is that it has just accidentally, I did not go into it at all with this intention, but it has, it has infested every other part of my life. Meditation <laughs> And, and I, I chose that word to be uh, an aggressive word. I don't mean it necessarily to be bad, but I want it to be like shocking. Like it has gotten everywhere else in my life. I think about breathing and I think about posture and I think about, uh, I think about what I'm thinking about, you know, that there are these meta layers to your own mind and your own reactions and your own physical being. And, and it's, awesome. And then it has cascaded into my other physical activities. And so now I take a yogic approach to an aggressive competitive sport or to debate. Um, it's just the man, go meditate tonight. I was joking, but I mean it just go no. chill and yeah, be with really yourself. And that's, that's why I support <laughs> it with that stuff. Right. Cause it's like, cause I try to pull it back from the woo woo part, which is just like, you know, you, the number of successful people who point to meditation as a key part of their ability to maintain productivity is remarkable. It's yeah. like 90% of the people that Ferris talks to on his podcast list in the top three. I do this and I do this and I meditate every day. Mm-hmm. So even if you think it's bullshit, eh, maybe give it a try because it'll make you a millionaire. <laughs> uh, 
you know, I don't know. <laughs> okay, let's get out of here. Uh, you know, find us on the places where you find us. Socials. Uh, hello at zengineeringpodcast.com if you want to get us directly. Yeah, Buy nice. some stuff at stuff.zengineeringpodcast.com. We're working on some new t-shirt designs. Oh, we'll get good those up. stuff. You can subscribe on iTunes or apps like Zencaster. Not Zencaster. What the hell is it called? Pod? Uh, Shit. Stitcher. Stitcher, Stitcher is one of them. Downcast, uh, Downcast. is the one I use. And then I'll just yeah. push push episodes to you. And you can subscribe to all the other awesome blogs. Uh, subscribe wherever you get them. Rate and review on iTunes. All that kind of stuff. Give us stars and comments. And like we said, ideas for what to talk about. Otherwise, Super. we'll just, just keep talking. We'll just ramble. Stuff that we think is interesting. Ramble, ramble, Which so ramble. far, nobody seems to mind. So <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. Thanks for hanging out with us. It's real <laughs> nice. Right, I'm Adam. I'm Brian. <laughs> oh, damn it. Oh. Get out of here. <laughs> oh. Which would be a really weird way to describe a date as a social outing. This has the consistency of a date. <laughs> you fooled me.